Hello and welcome to this Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims. Charlie, thrilled today to be joined by one of the great goaltenders in Milwaukee Admirals history, one of the greatest goaltenders in Milwaukee Admirals history. Still the all-time goals against average leader for goalies who've played more than one season. Same thing for save percentage. Uh, he's had a hell of a career and uh, an, an interesting career and an interesting life. He's uh, Mark Dekinich and he joins us now. Dex, it's great to see you. How's everything going? It's going well. It's awesome to see you guys. Thanks for having me on. We really I, appreciate it. Go ahead, Chuck. I think maybe we should add to that the maybe the greatest beard in Admiral's history, too. Holy I don't balls. think there's any doubt. There's like, a, I don't think there's any doubt. That thing it is. Was one thing, it was one thing in Milwaukee. It's another thing right now. It's just... Yeah. You've got two it, young it, kids. and It's <laughs> glorious. It's glorious. Yeah. What it is. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's I mean, are your kids that. constantly grabbing that thing? Getting lost yeah. in it, maybe? Yeah, they are, and I sort of like it. <laughs> and what'd you say? And you like it? Yeah. They, I, I mean, I can't shave it now. They'd freak out. Oh my gosh! Can you imagine if you just showed up at home, uh, or what your wife would do if you just showed up at home with uh, with completely clean shaven? I mean, it would be a disaster. I, yeah, I mean, you guys knew me when I first turned pro. I had hair down to my shoulders, and it was still pretty receded at the time, but. Now I would just have a Hulkamania skullet. So I have a really small head and needed to grow it out the other end. <laughs> well, it worked. My, chin, it, it my worked. chin's right there, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think, when I think of you, I think of, obviously you're, you're playing goal. I think of, um, I, I think of how you championed the TV show Lost. Oh, it's the best show of all time. It still is. Yes. <laughs> Why is that? And how many so, times have you watched it? I've watched the whole six seasons through five times. I don't, I don't watch TV anymore. So this happened in like a shorter period after it finished on TV. Okay. Um, and I just love it. So complex. You, every time you watch it again, you pick up something new and, and the connections. It just was so well thought out over that whole six seasons. How, how did you, when you were playing Dex, uh, I, and the reason I asked this is we were talking with Admiral's current coach, Carl Taylor, just the other day. And I said, what, what, what movie are you going to watch on the bus? And he's like, that doesn't happen anymore. Come on. So when you were playing, because everyone's got their devices, when you were playing is, I think that's probably about when they started to be able to watch things on, good, on, yeah. on a computer or maybe your phone. Is that the case? Or we, I assume you're still watching movies on the bus, right? Definitely not uh, like phones when I was playing. We, I remember I first started watching Lost at a training camp in Nashville, and I like, I bought the DVD pack at uh, one of those stores in Nashville and started watching it in spare time during training camp on my computer. And then yeah, I would take I would buy the seasons, and and put the discs into my computer and watch them there until it was live on TV. And then then like me, Mackie, and Cal O'Reilly used to get together on Wednesday nights to watch the show when it was aired live Wednesday nights on ABC. <laughs> you sound like you're plugging it there. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have to disclose Ken, my Ken sponsorship? Ken with Eastern, Ken Eastern yeah. 8 Mountain. Yeah, 9, 9, <laughs> 9 Central and Mountain. Um, <laughs> you said, uh, and I read a quote, and I don't know if, it was on, if it's on your current website for your business or if it was somewhere else, but you talked about... Uh, pro athletes needing to figure out how to spend their spare time that you're professional yeah. time wasters and, yes. and it's something and it's something you've always been good at 
Yeah, I guess so. Um, that quote is from Ryan Jones, actually. Oh. And um, yeah, so you guys know Jonesy. And yeah, sure. You always said we're, we're professional time wasters. You go to practice and then you have 10 hours after to do whatever you want. Right. Um, and so, yeah, video games were huge. Watching TV shows was huge. This is obviously for, for us is before we had children. So it was really not much to do other than go to the rink and mess around after. And, and, I mean, you're a college guy. You, I mean, you went to college, went to Colgate. And, a, and there are a fair number of college players, but especially for the junior guys, being in the minors and when you first start out as a pro is akin to being in college, right? Where you're all living together, even, but when you're playing in juniors, you got a billet family. Yeah. You hang out together, but you have, you still have school and what, and whatnot. Uh, But when you play pro, like, it's like, Hey, you go practice and work out for a couple hours. And then like you say, you got to figure out what to do. And that always lends itself to hanging out with the guys. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh. I mean, I, yeah, I think college guys are, are more prepared in that, that aspect to turn, to turn pro just because we've been living on our own and cooking for ourselves and stuff like that, um, you know, throughout the last two or three years of school. And then it's a little bit easier transition of knowing how to take care of yourself when all of a sudden you're making some money and you're on your own. Uh, I remember one story. Uh, I won't say the player's name, but it was a high draft pick and um he called my wife one day asking how to make a frozen pizza. And this was obviously, it was a major junior guy. And uh, (laughs) that was sort of eye opening for me at the time to be like, listen, we need to prepare these guys uh, to be on their own. (laughs) You've also said uh, that maybe the 15, 16 season when you're in South Carolina, and we're going to get back to Milwaukee stuff in a second, but Along those lines, you said maybe that was the most fun season you've had in playing in South Carolina in the ECHL. And is it because of that? I mean, you're working with a guy who's now in the NHL. Vitek Vanacek is, yeah. has been fantastic. But is that part of the reason that you kind of had to be that you really took on that mentor role then? Yeah, I knew I knew when I signed there, they, they sort of wanted me to take on that role. And I was prepared to do it. And um, we had a ton of fun. And also, it's easier to have a lot of fun when your team is really good. Yeah. Uh, we all lived in the same complex where there are palm trees and a swimming pool. And um, and we just meet at the pool almost every day after practice. And we had a ton of days off because we were winning all the time. So that made it easier. But um, yeah, that's that's sort of fun. I think in the ECHL, still now, you probably have a higher percentage of college players um, yeah. than you guys. Um, and it's so an older to group too, because of that. It's for 24, 25 year olds yes. as opposed to 20 year olds. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Uh, so let's go, let's take go way back before Milwaukee, before Colgate. When did you start playing goalie and when did you start playing goalie full? And why did you start playing goalie? I started playing goalie uh, when I was 10 years old for my spring team. And they just didn't have a goalie. And like a lot of kids, I thought the gear was really cool. And to have a goalie mask was pretty cool, even though I didn't have one for the first couple of years. But um, yeah, I was a good player up until then. And, and But my team needed a goalie. So I was the guy. And then I never played player again after that. What do, your mom, and dad wow. say? What do your mom and dad say when you want to become the goalie? Uh, I mean, I don't know how goalie mothers do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't, I can't imagine. It's terrible. She, th- she still thinks I'm crazy. <laughs> and we all are a little bit. 
Right. But, I mean, she's jumping around in the stands all the time. She got to watch me play live and, um, it's hilarious, but I don't but know she watched you. I, I grew up with a kid who, who was the goalie and his mom sat in the lobby until the final horn. Then she'd come back, come in and, and look at the scoreboard, but she could not watch. No, my mom would watch, but she wouldn't be sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then I'll oh, go ahead, Aaron. I was going to say, so you you become the goalie and then you had a chance, right? To play in the Western league. I, I'm, yeah. I'm curious the decision about, I'm always curious when, when a Canadian player, chooses the u.s college route as opposed to the junior route in canada yeah um so i was 15 i got drafted by the regina pats of the whl um i was in bantam at the time we we had a great team we won the western canadian championships and uh they kept pushing me to go like regina kept contacting me all the time and wanted me to go play there uh even after i'd committed to, to Colgate because I spent a whole year in junior before I got my scholarship my second year and um, I don't know I always my parents always instilled in me that school was important and getting good grades um, mattered so I always had good grades in school and um, yeah I was a fifth rounder I you know I I sort of wanted to keep keep playing for at least four more years and you never know with major junior so um, ended up being a great decision for me I, I love my time at Colgate I met my wife there how, how did you how did you end up at Colgate yeah, right like, like across the continent yeah right and not like you know it, obviously you hear about the school the BU and the BCs and the northeasterns of the world Colgate maybe not quite as much for as a as you know a hockey powerhouse yeah um you know they're, they're a very good academic school I think they're top 10 liberal arts colleges in the U.S. um consistently and they were sort of the first to recruit me and, and offer me a full ride. Um, I was at the time getting looks from Harvard, Brown, uh, some other Ivy League schools and like Bowling Green and things like that. But uh, when I flew down to Colgate, I just absolutely loved the campus, loved it there, loved the way I was treated and uh, was so happy. Were you on a full ride, a, a full 100% uh, scholarship? Yeah, my class at Colgate was the first class to uh, where they were allowed to give out four full rides. That's wow. that's impressive that's because unheard of in hockey. Yeah. It sure is be, uh, because in like in we all hear about football and basketball where there's where you know you go to a school you are on a full ride, but in so many other sports you go there and you, they only have X number of scholarships 20, and to your point for thirty players or whatever. Right, exactly, and and to your point, they couldn't even give out. They're limited in the number of full scholarships they can even give out. And so it's really impressive that you received a full scholarship. Yeah, especially as a true freshman, I think um, at that time, there's a lot of guys playing overage and junior and then coming to school um, when they're, you know, 20 years old instead of I was 18 when I went. So, um, yeah, I mean, ended up being a great decision. I can look back with pride now. Well, uh, after that, after that first year, you were, I, I, you, what you played every game, but like eight over a three year span, it was something like that. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I started every game unless I was hurt. So, um, yeah, I also knew that I would get an opportunity because, because when I went there, my freshman year, we had one senior goalie and two freshmen, my classmate and I, and that was it. So I knew I was going to get a shot after that. And, um, you know, fortunately, we had a good team that second year, my sophomore year, and that's when I ended up getting drafted to the NHL. Yeah, yeah. So sure. who sees you? I mean, who who do you deal with? Was it because soon thereafter you're starting a relationship with Mitch Corn? I'm assuming, but who who sees you? Who scouts you? Who, who what happened there? 
I I don't know who was watching. Um, I think Paul Fenton had been to a few games that I played. Um, and, I'm, you know, I'm sure other scouts all around. And then after my sophomore year where I won the goalie of the year in the ECHL, and I was, well, I was eligible for the draft a few years before, but um, I had an internship in Wellesley, Mass., at a financial company and Jeff Keelty. I'm not sure where he is now. If he's still with Nashville, if he's still with Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kelts came and met me at a Dunkin' Donuts and, and we had an interview. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so you were doing, you were doing that internship. You, I, I, you didn't know you were drafted. No. Have you heard this draft story? Not, not the full thing. I read yeah. about it, but I've never heard this. I've never heard you say it. So, uh, like I said, I'm doing this internship with my goalie partner. That was my classmate. Um, we're, we were renting an apartment. We didn't have internet. So we'd go to work and then after work, we'd be professional time wasters. We'd go to the gym and then we'd play video games. We couldn't play online because we didn't have any internet. <laughs> we, we couldn't, we couldn't afford it. So we, uh, we were just playing. I knew the draft, the draft was in Vancouver. So it's in my hometown. And, you know, we're just doing the thing. I knew there was a chance. My agent had told me there's a chance you're going to go. It was probably going to be late. And um, I'm just playing video games. I got a text message from another one of our classmates saying congratulations. And I hadn't heard anything. And we couldn't look online because we didn't have internet. (laughs) (laughs) But you never heard from from Nashville. You heard from this buddy of yours. No, my buddy texted me first. Congratulations. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, call me back in 10 minutes. And then sure enough, (laughs) hold on. What, what was thing. he doing? I want to know what he was doing for those 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Just twiddling his thumbs like this yeah. as we're playing video games. Uh, and then, you know, minutes later, my agent calls me and says, hey, congratulations, you were drafted by the Nashville Predators. And then I get calls from everybody else. So um, it was pretty funny because it was in my hometown. I wasn't even there. So when you go back, to, when you go to your internship the next Monday, the following whatever whatever day it was, what what is that like then? You got your chest pumped out a little bit and yes I don't even remember what it was like and the I mean the guy who owned the company that we were working for was a Colgate alum so that's how we had got that job anyways um but yeah I'm sure I was you know acting a little bit taller and tall yeah (laughs) pretty pumped up at the time that's that's so good so at what point does your relationship and Aaron mentioned him what point does your relationship start with Mitch Korn, who is the preeminent, who revolutionized the goalie position, really, right, yeah. from a coach's perspective? He, uh, white pucks and crazy weird drills and obviously yeah. uh, a what's character more, he let, what's more, What's more impressive with Mitch than anything, I think, is that for the most part, he lets you be you. Yeah, we right. tried to heighten what you did well, but he didn't break you down and make you play like a robot. Like, like, his, you, like right. he wanted you to play. He lets you be you. Yeah, I think that's Mitch's best quality, right? Is he, he lets guys do the thing. He can jump in and give you little pointers here and there. But first and foremost, he develops relationships with his goalies and yeah. um, and communicates really well. And those two things are essential in any business or any job. But uh, Mitch was the best at it. And so we, after I got drafted in my, my junior year, we played uh, in a tournament at Miami. Mm-hmm. Sure. Ohio. Which worked. Yeah. yeah. And Mitch was there and uh, you know, that was when he saw me play for the first time and we had chats after that and um, just continued to build a good relationship. So Mitch was, it was when he was goal, Nashville's goalie coach was always very much the goalies got to stick together. 
right? So Pekka, Rene tells the story of uh, the Admirals are in the finals against Hershey and all the boys, we've got a couple days off. All the boys are going to Hershey Park, to the amusement park. But Mitch says, no, me, you and Finner are going together. You're not going with the other guys. We're going to go ride the roller coasters together and, and go have fun. So do you have some Mitch stories like that? We're like going you, to the five o'clock steakhouse. Right. We're, and, and, and then we're going to your house to watch Lost or something like that. <laughs> yeah. me, you and, me, you and Smitty. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. Every, I mean, every time Mitch was in town to work with us, he would uh, take us out for dinner. You know, just the goalies and him. And um, Where would you go? Yeah, we went to, well, in training camp, Mitch's favorite spot was always Jay Alexander's in Nashville. Okay. Um, and so we'd always go there. Um, but would that be like six of you then? Would that be everybody who's at yeah. training camp? Yeah. Yeah, he would do that. And then when we were in Milwaukee, I can't remember always where we went. Sometimes on the road, we'd go to those like Fogo de Chao places. Yeah. Just crush a whole bunch of steak. Um, but in the Mitch's rule was in the minors, it was always on his dime. But when you're in the NHL, you had to pay. <laughs> so, well, fortunately for me, I never got to take him out up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. You uh, you would have taken him to sushi, right? You're you're you were always a sushi guy, right? Yeah, I mean, we're spoiled here in Vancouver because we have so much right. fresh food and fresh fish. So, um, yeah. yeah, I'm waiting for the days when he travels into Van and I can actually take him out here. Nice. Uh, you have, you finished your college career and you came to Milwaukee at the end of the 07, 08 season. You didn't play, but was that, was it important for you to come and sort of get a taste for what the pro life was going to be like, or was it like, oh, that was a fun three weeks or whatever it was. And then, you know, I look forward to the next, next year's training camp. Yeah, no, it was great for me to get there. I, I think I was only there for a week cause I had to go back and finish school. Okay. Um, but I remember being there practicing for a week and just being like, wow, these guys are good. You know, the best players on my team are now fourth liners in the American league. And, uh, and everybody was as good as, you know, our top players. So um, that was, I think, essential for me in that summer after in my training, just to be, to know what I was getting myself into and, and making sure I was prepared for the demands of a pro season. When you come in, that's the end of Pecorino's run in, in Milwaukee. I mean, he's, he's in the locker room when you show up. Yeah. Pretty cool watching that guy practice. I mean, he's a freak. He's still playing. He's still really good. Um, and yeah, just watching his habits again for that week was huge for me. What, what was it like for you then? You, you obviously you go to rookie camp that summer, but then the following training camp, what was your first pro training camp? Like lots of lost. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I, I don't remember the times on the ice that much. I mean, um, well, you know, I guess I do remember sometimes, uh, you know, getting in there and in the dressing room, whatever, and you got like Jason Arnett riding the bike and a bunch of like Steve Sullivan and all these like legendary NHL players. Um, and all of a sudden you're on the same ice as them. And um, it's a pretty cool experience to realize that, hey, I'm, you know, I'm actually pretty good at this and, you know, sharing the ice with some great players. Well, and they they made it pretty clear, and it and it doesn't always happen this way. But you're a you're a rookie. You're a full on rookie, and you're not a 25 year old rookie. You're a 22 year old rookie, um, and you got to share the net. You got to play a, a decent amount, I guess. I mean, sure, you 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 came off a situation where you played every single game, 
but you they they stuck with you and that's and you and you earned it don't get me wrong you earned on it an, on a but, really good team on a, on a really good milwaukee admirals team and, and sharing the net with drew mcintyre which i couldn't believe that you guys did not win the the award for fewest goals but, <laughs> but award. winnipeg winnipeg manitoba <laughs> beat you by two manitoba beat you by two but it was only you and drew all season long which was incredible yeah Corey schneider beat us by two by two goals yep. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember we had, we had put so much last game of the season and we needed, you know, if we had a shutout or something and they gave up a few goals, we would have won it. And so Drew and I both, Drew was starting, but we put up so much money on the board and we wanted to like win. Did you really? Board. I didn't realize you were so conscious about this. Were you really? Yeah, we, we put up like 500 bucks each or something and we... <laughs> We like just wanted to win that so badly, and and I think Drew played great, but I'm sure Schneid's had a shutout or something, and and we we were just almost there. <laughs> I didn't. I never realized that you guys were that into it. That's awesome. Yeah, that That's, is awesome. That's really great. Yeah. Yeah. And so well, how do you? Thing is that he every time we played Manitoba, we would light him up like. Right, and he, Drew he, and Drew played in Manitoba too, so I mean Drew had yeah. a little pass there. And yeah, and Schneider would get pulled every time we played them. We're like, <laughs> wish we played those guys the last game. And you, know, <laughs> you know, there's another goalie that we would always beat as well, and I think we beat him in the playoffs that year. Your of of your rookie year was Corey Crawford, right? Yeah, like yeah. we we ran Corey Crawford all the time. Both of them and Niemi, they were terrible yes. against us all the time. Yeah, and now they're and then they go on to win <laughs> Stanley Cups and, next year. Oh come on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the next year. You're right. It was exactly the next year. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's so true. So, uh, but oh, go but ahead, Aaron. You, well, your rookie season, uh, great team. I, and, and to me, it's the one I think because of where I was in my life, I think it's the one I'm most drawn to. It's the one I, I feel most a part of is, is that 0809 team. Such a just a person for every role, it seemed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so much fun to play. There's so many good guys, right? We didn't have any bad apples and that's like similar to my year in South Carolina. There weren't, there wasn't any guys that, that players didn't like. Yeah. Everybody liked each other and got along. And it was like, when you have a group like that, even if you're not the most skilled team or whatever, um, you know, you definitely go far and have a good season. Yeah. And, and having a goalie partner like Drew McIntyre, a veteran guy who's, I mean, really one of the nicest guys in the world too. That must've been really helpful for you as a rookie pro goalie. Yeah. He was a phenomenal goalie partner um, on the ice, off the ice. Everything about him is just great. He, I mean, like you said, he's an awesome guy. He was a really good goalie. Um, he was, have I you think, been in touch with him at all? Not really. We, he you just, know, he just finished his career. That's why I asked. He just finished no, over in the a Asian league, on, right? On Facebook and stuff like that. And we interact every once in a while, but, um, yeah, I think he was like his fifth year pro at the time. And now he just finished his 19th or 20th year. Yeah. And retired. And like, that's insane to play a sport for that long at such a high level. Yeah. It, it, well, it and really do, is. do you think yeah. your commitment to fitness, um, uh, and it's been there for a long time, but do you think you've had, you had some injury problems Yeah. and do you think that health wise, you could have the mental, the mental capacity to play as long as, as this? Like you could still be playing. I mean, granted, you'd, you're a rookie. You'd, you, this would have been like your 13th year, roughly. Yeah, yeah, it would have been. Um, you know what? Nearing the end of my career, the last two years, but mostly the last year after we started having children, my wife was pregnant with our second, the second year. It just wasn't 
fun for me. And that, that season was one of the seasons that I was healthy the whole year, which was rare for me. Yeah. Um, and I, I still could have kept playing. I was looking, uh, that summer after my 10th year and, um, but my heart really wasn't in it anymore. Yeah. And uh, it was putting a huge drain on my family life and it was just time for me to call it. Um, and well, I was going to say, fortunately, <laughs> for my own sanity, I, I gave my agent a deadline. I think it was like November 1st or something. And I was like, if I didn't have anything, I wanted to go back to Europe. Um, if I didn't have anything, uh, I was going to call it on that day after Halloween. And Halloween, he calls me and says, we have an offer for team in Kazakhstan. Okay. And it was in the VHL. So this is like the KHL American League. Yeah. Right. And uh, really good money. And just after considering it and trying to, I didn't want to move my family over there uh, with a kid who is one and a half and a pregnant wife. And, uh, and so it was a good time for me to decline it. And then, you know, end if, my, end my career. I mean, if you play in Kazakh and plus if you play in Kazakhstan and you tell people that you never hear the end of Borat jokes, like that's <laughs> probably all they ever say to you is uh, just make some do some cheesy Eastern European accent and, and try and impersonate Bar Borat. <laughs> yeah uh, I think it was like a role they had a young kid too and they wanted me to help with his development and whatever um and again I love taking on those mentorship roles but at the time just wasn't a really good fit for for my family where we were at you um uh, when you when you play and you become the number one guy your second year in Milwaukee um and, and get into the playoffs and then the third year. And again, that, that 10, 11 team was so good. It, uh, similar to the 08, 09 team. And as a matter of fact, that's the last Admirals team to win a playoff series, which is sad uh, that it's, that it's been that long, but you got hurt right before the playoffs. Yeah. And that, that had to be crushing. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, and it was a devastating injury, right? High ankle sprains yes. are bad for goalies. For a goalie, yeah, obviously. It's um, worse. And it takes forever. And, uh, yeah, I was obviously having a really good year that year. as American League All-Star and leading the league in save percentage and ended up finishing number one in that category in the league. Um, but, yes, try just sitting and watching that team and not being able to contribute anymore was, was devastating. Yeah. So, and then you signed somewhere else after that 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 summer and and it's interesting to me and i i remember mitch corn being upset with not with you but with he he wanted to work with you still i remember that vividly mitch said that to me and but at the time and i really think about it now because I, I just looked at it um like nashville didn't promote anybody since pekka you had to go to use basically for to see a goalie that was promoted to the NHL from this organization. They always went out and found Carter Hutton or, or whoever else. Right. It's, it, it's, it, it's, the, it's the most premier position on a team. There's only two guys. Yeah. And, and if you're not going to get that chance, you got to find that chance wherever it may be. Exactly. Yeah. And I, you know, after, after my second season in Milwaukee, um, going to training camp in the third, third year, um, there was an opening behind Pekka. Right. Right. And, and they signed Lindy out of Europe and, you know, I didn't have a great training camp, but I was okay. But I thought at the same time I had paid my dues and deserved an opportunity. Um, got, got sent down and just absolutely lit it up all year and still wasn't given any opportunities to, to get a sniff in the league. Yeah. And, um, 
you know, definitely that played a, a part in my decision on why I would test the waters with free agency, just because um, I had put in all the time I had earned everything I was ever, uh, you know, I wasn't handed anything and uh, had earned all the opportunities that I was given. And I was expecting something in return and just never came. I have a Mark Dekinich Columbus Blue Jackets card. And it's crazy to think that you only played one game. It's just crazy to me to think that you only played one game in the NHL in relief. And you played the most of the game, but that's it. It, yeah. it just boggles my mind. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it, it, what, what was happening there to me, it doesn't happen. You have a draft pick that led the American league in save percentage. You've got zero NHL starts. Right, uh, right. And I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. I'm still frustrated about it because um, I think I deserved a shot to play. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so that was frustrating obviously. And then, with my ankle, I could go to training camp in Columbus, injured again. It had been misdiagnosed the whole time. Uh, keep fighting to try and come back. And it still bothered me the entire time, just trying to play hurt, getting sent down to Springfield for conditioning stints a few times and keep re-injuring my ankle. And finally, I, I was adamant that I couldn't play anymore and sent me to see a specialist. And they're like, oh, yeah, your ankle's, your ankle's done. You need surgery. It's six-month recovery. And that was sort of the beginning of the end. Um of any type of shot in NHL, at least. So I just want to, I want to go back uh, to your time in Milwaukee a little bit. What I'm always curious what the relationship is between the goalies and the coaches Lane Lambert, one of the best coaches in Admiral's history. Also very, we've said all the time on here, very intense guy, but how is his relationship with the goalies? Because especially once you get to the pro level, Coaches will admit, like, they don't know goaltending. They don't know goaltenders. They know the, the basics. Yeah. They know what it means to, you know, to, to keep on your angle and you seal the post and everything like that. But once you get down to the, 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 the core of it, they're just not sure. So what was your relationship like with Lane? And it uh, started out with Lau and then ended up with uh, Ian Herbers as the assistant, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think what separates Lane in terms of, of goalies and communication and stuff like that was that – he trusted Mitch. He trusted Mike Valley. He trusted Ben Vanderklok um, and their opinions of how guys were really doing rather than just judging scores or numbers. By the numbers, right. And, uh, and so that's, it's definitely easier to play as a goalie when you know that the coach trusts you and trusts your goalie coach and, and trust the process also. So um, I think you still see it in hockey head coaches will hit the panic button when there's a few games here or there um, where the goaltending is not great, but that type of stuff, it will continue to spiral out of control if the communication is not there with the goalie coach and, and everyone's not on the same page. You bring, you bring up Mike Valley, you bring up Van, Ben Vanderklok and, and it, it strikes me that those positions were relatively new in hockey. Now everybody has several yeah. gold. There's yeah. a gold yeah. coordinator and all of this stuff, but that was very new when to you have were, a minor, to have a minor league goalie have somebody around. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it was sort of innovative at the time, but it, that type of stuff. And now finally, like you're talking about NHL teams are starting to realize the value of relationships with their goalies and getting solid coaching and Mike, Mike may have been the first coordinator, right? Like Mike may have been the first overseer in his position in Dallas. Yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, and not, like you said, now teams have three guys everywhere. ECHL teams have their own goalie coach that are affiliated with the organizations above them. Yeah. Um, 
And it's so important. Why, why is it important? It, well, just technique to, or just to talk somebody that no, knows what you're doing and, and talk about what you're going through. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's the communication aspect of it. Um, like, and, and trust, right. You can build trust when you have relationships and guys there almost on a daily basis or whatever. Um, when you're stuck in the minors, like when I was playing, it was a lockout year and we're in St. John's and you know, we, we saw our goalie coach maybe once a month or once every two months or something like that. And you just feel sort of stranded. Um, especially when things aren't going very well. Right. Like it, it helps to have, and I got to believe it, especially as a goalie that you, you want the feedback from somebody else. What am I doing wrong? Even though you can watch the video and you can probably see it, but it helps to have somebody explain it to you. I've got to believe at least to be more of a teacher and uh, as opposed to just a coach. Absolutely. And, you know, watching videos, like I would watch every, every shot that I ever took my whole pro career. Um, but it was much more effective teaching tool when the goalie coach was there watching with me. The, uh, uh, when you were in Milwaukee, who did you, who were your roommates? Who were you living with? Or was your wife here the all, for all, uh, for your whole career? My wife was there the whole time. Um, my first year we, sh we lived with Franny and his oh, girlfriend, did. which is his wife now. Yeah. Um, and so we all, all four of us lived together in Milwaukee. And then after that, my wife and I just lived on our own. How, oh. how does that come up that you guys are going to, certainly it's a cost thing or whatever, but that's, that's, I've never heard of that one where the two couples and maybe, maybe I'm just out of the loop, but yeah, I don't think I've heard of that. But it's either. two, two couples who move in together. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think, I don't think Mandy was there full time, but she was there pretty often. And sure. yeah, we just lived in a two bedroom, big two bedroom apartment in Milwaukee. Uh, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, when I was in St. John's, I lived with uh, another one of my teammates and his wife in a house that we had a bigger house uh, outside of town. Huh. One of my favorite, uh, uh, Actually, this is one of my favorite stories to tell anybody. Uh, <laughs> happened to be with you. And this is set up by a guy in our office to go to the YMCA. Do you remember this? I hope, God, I don't know how you could not remember this. This is set up with a guy in our office. We're going to go to the YMCA and we're going to just play with some kids. And you were just gracious with your time. Uh, and you're like, yeah, no problem. We're going to play with some kids and have some fun and sign some autographs. And there was a miscommunication, uh, which I ended up not being very, I was not very pleased about, but I certainly should have uh, been, had been maybe a little bit more communicative myself. And it turns out they want you to lead an aerobics class. So we show up there and you've got, you're always a shoe guy. And if I'm not mistaken, you loved high tops, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so you had your high tops on. They probably weren't even laced. You don't have shorts on. They found, do you remember this? They found you a pair of shorts that were, and this is, I mean, the inseam on these things could not have been five inches, right? They were, <laughs> they were what we would call nut huggers. And, uh, and you got to be up there and you're leading like this, a class of, it was like an aerobics class. And I, I'm sitting there thinking like, well, th this guy, he's going to hate me forever. <laughs> I'm going to get, in, do, do you remember this? I don't, I don't remember that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can't believe you don't remember this. I wish I did. 
That's oh my god! The trauma is what you're doing there. <laughs> like this is just an insane experience on my behalf. And while this is going on, I'm like calling the guy that set it up. I mean, I don't want to mention his name, but his initials in our office are NH, right? So I'm calling him up, and I'm like, "What is? I can't believe like." We're here and Mark Dex is right now. He's up leading this aerobics class <laughs> in some borrowed shorts. I've got his sweatpants in my hand. <laughs> and I just, I can't believe like that just goes to the, to the quality of person that you are is that you didn't hold this against me for the rest of a rest of your life. Like <laughs> what an idiot this guy is taking to be this event. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's awesome i don't remember it at all so you're good <laughs> okay good thank you, you. i appreciate do you that. do you have any do you have any thing that happened like that otherwise is oh, stuff like that ever happened to you i'm sure there's some things where communication wasn't the greatest or there's different expectations uh, around what we're gonna do i can't remember any specific times um but still i mean when we're doing those things, you know, it's for the kids and stuff and they, they'll have fun no matter what, just because you're there. So um, the best way to handle it is just put a smile on your face and lead an aerobics class. Yeah, I, even if I, you're I, wearing short shorts. We, we only have a few minutes <laughs> left. And I, I want to get start into fitness and coaching people now. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you go. I, I want to get to that. And we only have a few minutes left and I want to make sure we get, we get everything, but I, when you talked about your injury and, and going to Columbus and maybe thinking that that was your last shot, did going to Europe, was that going to be maybe a booster to getting you back into the NHL somehow? And obviously yeah, that ended poorly. That ended poorly, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the, it, I, you know, I was lucky enough to get a, a sniff in the KHL um, after my year in St. John's, which was the Loco year. I didn't have an outstanding year. Uh, my numbers weren't great. I was getting pulled every time I gave up two goals, even if it was like in the second period on 30 shots, I'd get hooked after two. But, um, you know, fortunately for me, my dad was born in uh, Yugoslavia, which is now Croatia. And, uh, and so I got offered a really good, really good job over there and signed a two-year deal. Uh, and they were an expansion team for the KHL at the time. So was your equipment manager, Chris Steerwalt? The second year it was, yeah. It was, okay. So, yeah, so we had Chris in Milwaukee my third year maybe, as a second and third year as an assistant. Right, so right, and he's third. here now, obviously, yeah. He's still the head guy there now? He yep, is, yeah. sure is, yeah. Yeah, and, and Chris is awesome. So I did have my second year there. But uh, first year had an awesome team, tons of North American guys, uh, a bunch of – we just we call ourselves the Misfits because we were a bunch of, like, American League All-Stars yeah. uh, and NHL bubble guys and then some NHLers that were on their way out. We had, like – um, Jonathan Chichu, Curtis Foster, um, guys like that who played a long time in the NHL and they're sort of at the tail ends of their career. And we had a lot of fun that year and I had a really good year. Um, and, it, and it's Croatia is just a, an awesome country to be in, isn't it? It was amazing. I loved it. The, the day I got there, they, uh, you know, they picked me up at the airport and doing interviews and stuff and we're like on TV and take me to my apartment I walked to the grocery store because I didn't have a car yet to get groceries and people were recognizing me and asking for photos in the grocery store and next to um what's the name that they have a premier league soccer team there not premier league the super series whatever I can't remember what it's called yeah besides those that team the soccer team we were you know the biggest sports stars in the city yeah. 
And uh, it was a lot of fun to play there. I loved playing there. I would have stayed there for the rest of my career if they would have taken care of us. It, it, and it ended horribly. I mean, what uh, was it? Was it an ownership change? What we, we hear about the KHL, like just being like, if, if, if things aren't going well, they're just going to drop you. And that's that. I mean, what, yeah. what happens? What I mean, happens? this is the stories that you hear about that league, no matter how insane they sound are, are usually true. Um, <laughs> we, the second year we went through a bunch of coaches. We, we didn't have a good year. I personally, again, was playing hurt. I had injured my knee in training camp and uh, was trying to play. It was terrible. Didn't win a game in like 10 starts or something like that. And again, finally, I'm like, listen, I can't play. There's something wrong. I had to, I had to have knee surgery. Um, meanwhile, things go on. We're still losing every game. The team starts selling players off. So it's sort of like soccer in that you can sell players for cash. So by the end of the year, we had like 12 players on the roster. The team had sold a bunch of guys for cash. And then they stopped honoring our contracts and everybody stopped getting paid. Um, and for me, like, because I had such a bad year, it, you know, I wasn't going to get a look anywhere else. I, I wanted to get what I was owed, um, made a big stink about it in social media. The, the ownership and the general manager and stuff were taking the money and it was disappearing and players weren't getting paid. And, and then everyone sort of disappeared. So real quick, and we, we, you broke up a little bit, but just oh. to clarify, has this been rectified? You Did you ever get your money? A year and a half later, I got it. You finally did. Wow. Yeah. What a I know. Did they, I know. Oh, 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 go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, did they mail it to you in cash in like a, uh, in, a, in, a in a paper bag? <laughs> no, the stories of that are true, though. I played with some guys after that were telling stories like that. But um, no, I finally got a year and a half. After. I know all, there was a big thing. And like half of the guys that wrote money signed non-disclosure agreements with the club on terms that they would get their money sooner. Uh, I don't think many of them did. Some other guys broke off and like tried to hire a Croatian lawyer on retainer. The lawyer ended up taking the money and disappearing. It was wild. And so, yeah, I got paid in full eventually a year and a half later. Um, and I know that there are still guys that, that never got it. Unreal. Wow. Yeah. That we, is uh, unreal. We should, we should wrap things up here, at Dex. Uh, but before we do, let's talk about what you're doing now and what you've been doing for the last couple of years. I mean, you've been very busy and, and from the looks of it, from what I hear, tremendously successful doing what you're doing. Yeah, I'm having a blast now. Um, so I, I retired after the 2018 season, like we talked about earlier. Uh, my last year playing there, I had been completing my personal trainer certificate um, throughout the year and finished it off and started my own business in June of that year, uh, that summer after my last season playing. Um, just started with like one or two clients and they're mostly goalies and then just started building up clientele from there ended up getting an opportunity to work for my trainer when I was playing um, for a year and a half after to build more experience and learn to coach groups and, and people in semi-private settings. And then uh, did that for a year and a half, like I said, and then once coronavirus shut down everything, uh, got to spend three months with my family because uh, we weren't allowed to work here. And um, when gyms opened up again on, on June 1st of 2020 is when I decided to just end my other position, just take it on my own business full time. And uh, yeah, it was, it was tough for those couple of years because we were sort of living in the red and, and draining our life savings. But, um, you know, fortunately, when I was playing, did well enough to be able to do that. 
and uh, and now you know it, I've been growing here. Lots of popularity, tons of goalies, hockey players, baseball players. Um, just last December, we we bought a new townhouse with a lock off suite that was um, pre zoned for work live. So I don't know if um, if that's like a big thing anywhere else, but right now in Vancouver, they're building a lot of multifamily townhomes with live work suite in the basement. So now. We purchased the property. Uh, I converted the the work live suite into a fully equipped gym, and uh, so it, it's it is work, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 my I'm well within all the bylaws and city laws, and um, so I have my own gym now, and it's uh, it's been great. I have nearly a full schedule. I'm just waiting for some of my BCHL players to come back after the season and WHL guys, and then. I'll be doing 50 sessions a week. I, I, I would. I, oh, it's, I'm sorry, Aaron. I got one more thing. Uh, even though I'm the one that's on the, uh, the 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 deadline, I'd be remiss, Dex, if we didn't mention uh, the one person who you you literally are responsible for her buying season tickets. I took you to UWM to an exercise physiology class one time, and the professor there was. Her name was Anne, and I can't even remember what Anne's last name was. And she loved you so much. She was so impressed with the work that you did that she's like, I'm buying season tickets. And she was such a Dex and Admirals fan. It was insane. The, the connections you made, the the uh, the Wally kid, and, and the connections you made with people here outside of the team were really, really impressive. Thank you. Yeah, I, I still I remember that, Charlie. I remember doing helping them with some research. Right. Heart rate, right? So I'd wear a monitor yes. in practice. And, um, and then I remember going with you, I think, to the classroom and doing, doing like a talk or a Q&A with the class. Right. Absolutely. Um, which was really cool. It was like and, a senior level class and they were using you as their uh, experiment, basically. Yeah. yeah. As and their test subject. Over positions and stuff like that. Yeah. It was really interesting stuff. Again, this is like stuff that really interests me now and it did back then, but I'm more into the, to the actual research and the science now because I'm reading, trying to learn every day. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was really cool. And there, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of other people who um, I still remember from Milwaukee fans of Ben Boyven. Um, yeah. You know, I still keep in touch with him. I remember the Lindy's really well. Sure. Absolutely. And um, yeah, it, I had a great time playing there. You know, yeah. I spent three seasons there pretty much full time and, um, just an awesome city. So I won't forget a lot of those memories. Maybe you just answered this, but traditionally we ask the question, when you think of Milwaukee, what do you think of? Beer, I guess. It's <laughs> <laughs> your fitness says beer. Yeah, there you go. Cool. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I've played with so many, so many awesome teammates there. Um, and just, it was fun going to, to the rank, even though, it was like minus 40 outside and we had 10 foot snow banks on the side of the road. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't miss the weather. That's for sure. And uh, you know, after playing in a place like South Carolina, it was like a little bit different. Right. But, um, and even you know, BC. Yeah. We, we have, it's super mild here. So we got, I think two inches of snow total last winter, yeah. but um, yeah, it, you know, I had a great time playing in Milwaukee. It was awesome. And yeah, part of a long 10 year career. Yeah. We uh, obviously we loved having you when you were here. We loved having you on this show here. It's it's great to see you. It's great to catch up. We could do a lot longer, and maybe we will someday. But uh, all the best to you, continued success, and uh, we'll, we'll hopefully talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks again for having me on. It was awesome seeing you uh, virtually, and 
you know, I miss those days playing back then when I was a kid with no responsibilities. So <laughs> us too, to be honest. Goaltenders <laughs> yeah. in Milwaukee Admirals history, Mark Deck, and it's thanks for listening to this Milwaukee Admirals podcast.